Because if you get if you have to choose between an FHA and a hard money that I would say FHA all day. You know why put the larger down payment if you can produce the tax returns and you can qualify for that specific loan. But if you can't, this is you know another means for you to get involved. If you don't have all the money to get in, or if you just want to leverage your money, I mean leverage the loan to spread your money across different investments, you know, and and scale your business faster. This is you know hard money is here to help you. Turn this up. Turn this up. You're listening to the official 9 to 5 CEO podcast. This is the show where two 9 to 5ers discuss gyms, strategies, and how to survive the lifestyle of balancing a job and building a business. And now, here are your hosts, Tremaine Robinson and Zena Dixon. Hello, and welcome to the 9 to 5 CEO podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, aka the 9 to 5 landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, aka Zena Dixon Inc. And on today's show, we have a special guest. If you want to introduce yourself, my name is Rod Stanback, um, Rod underscore hard money. If you follow me on social media, real estate investor, hard money lender from Philly, um, currently living in Maryland. But pleasure to be here. Thank you for sharing your platform with me to get today. Thank you for joining us. No problem. No problem. Yeah. So to uh, take it back, uh, can you kind of just touch on like your upbringing? Like were you around a lot of entrepreneurs, business people, or was it kind of just something that you kind of gravitated towards on your own? Um, so no, I was. I didn't grow up around a bunch of like entrepreneurs or anything. I really didn't have many in my family. Um, but, you know, actually, now that I think about it, you know, I did have entrepreneurs in my neighborhood. You had like some, you know, the corner guy that owned the corner store, they owned my own the deli and the funeral parlor. They were, they were all, they were all owned by, you know, black people. So those were the only representations of like black entrepreneurs that I was really around. Um, I just always was, um, motivated to be a business guy. I always liked the idea of having suits on and traveling on the airplanes and stuff like that. It all, you know, it was, it looked really good to me. So that's what I always wanted to do. But when I was young, you know what I mean? I clearly remember telling myself I was going to be successful no matter, you know, what, no matter what, you know what I mean? I didn't care how it happened. I was going to, I was determined to be successful. So I guess I just always had drive somehow. Yeah. It's so funny how we grow up, um, especially back in the day, because I think we're all around the same age. I think I'm a little older than you guys, but we're not going to talk about that. But and in our neighborhoods, there was black business owners, but it was so like because we were used to seeing it. We didn't we didn't think that it was something that was unattainable. We just didn't think that. Wow, this person has a business. We're just thinking, oh, that's pop pop with the corner store, and you go and you buy your twenty five cent candy, and then you go run to school or whatever. Um, but you, but it's like it was abstract back then because just like, oh, that's the corner store guy, that's the deli guy, that's the funeral guy. Yeah. Not realizing how powerful it was um, for us to see as children that they were black business owners. Yeah. And I think you know, for us when we were younger, we probably didn't realize it. We just took for granted that. You know, Pop Pop had the corner store and Mr. Wilson had the funeral home. You know what I mean? Um, because back then, the I feel like the neighborhoods was a little bit more tighter. So they felt more like family to you as opposed to, you know, this is a businessman that I could look up to, that I could mentor, you know, have mentor me and stuff like that. Because when people always ask me, did you grow up around entrepreneurs? I always say no, because nobody in my immediate family was. But there was people in the neighborhood that, you know, had those those businesses that I could have leaned into more about. You know, you just take for granted that that's pop up and he's, you know, making sure you got chips for school for lunch, you know? So, 
Yeah, like you said, you don't realize the significance of it because it's just, it is what it is. Like you growing up, this is all you know. Like I didn't even, I didn't, I wasn't like I didn't have any relationship with white people, like nothing. So I didn't, I only saw white people on TV, like really. So you know, I really didn't think about it, you know, as right. being something that was great. Yeah. Right. So, uh, what was your first introduction into real estate? Um, my first hand in real estate was, I mean, my what cut your eye, my bad. Just what, what caught your eye? What was the first thing you seen? Was it a commercial? Was it somebody on social media? Like kind of what was it that wasn't social media? Social media wasn't even around. Like, you know, when I got involved in real estate, but what, what piqued my attention, I mean, what grabbed my attention was like, people just always said real estate was the way real estate was the way. And I didn't really know anybody that was like heavily into real estate. I knew people like one or two properties here and there. They just buy it whenever, but they weren't taking it serious, like a career or a real business. But I just always heard like real estate's the way, real estate's the way. So I always had, you know, my eyes on it, but I just didn't get involved until I actually had the financial capacity to, to actually make it happen. That was like 2009 when I first bought my uh, my first property. So you was able to take advantage of the crash and get those properties a little bit cheaper, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I wasn't strategic. Like you know, I'm not gonna say in front like, oh yeah, I was waiting for it to happen and I just killed it or nothing. Like the stars just happened to align. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell was going on, honestly. You know what I mean? Because at the time, I was still I was trying to get into real estate and people knew that, but I was doing construction at the time, so mm. I couldn't afford a property at the time. So I wanted to get aligned within the industry to learn, get some knowledge, so that when by the time I was ready, I'd be ready to go right into it. So we was taking. Um, warehouses in the Philadelphia area, like the Temple Hospital area. And we would convert them into um, uh, multi, not multi-family, student housing. It was multi-family units, but it was student housing for uh, Temple uh, Hospital students. And that experience really like prepared me for fix and flipping and stuff. So by the time I got, when the market crashed, I was able to get my first couple of properties. I wasn't intimidated by, you know, the large rehabs or anything. Right, right. That's so funny because um, people will say, like, ask about how did the recession affect you? How did the crash affect you? And back then it didn't affect me at all because I wasn't in that lane at all. I was a renter. I was just going to my little job. I wasn't thinking about entrepreneurship in any large capacity. So it was like transparent to me. But, you know, like you did, um, me and my husband, we did buy our first, you know, our primary marital home back then. And we was like, oh, wow, we're going to get a steal because it was in foreclosure and all that kind of stuff. But we didn't think beyond that. We didn't know about, you know, you should buy a multifamily first and then buy your dream home. We didn't know any of that until I want to say 2018, which is so sad, but it is what it is. You know, you learn as you go. Um, So, like, I'm thankful that social media is around because we've really been able to level up from the information we've gotten from like individuals like you sharing information online, um, you know, information that Tremaine shares, like all, all the people that we follow that's really in the trenches, not the fakers that's stealing other people's stuff. But it's so funny because that was, that was a pivotal time for a lot of people, whether they got into it like you did as a business and, you know, converting property and, capitalizing on student housing or people just buying their first home like me and my husband did out of our whole family. Like we we were the first ones to buy our, own, our first. Um, we were the first ones in a family to buy a home. So, it you know, it's like a it's like a, um, a shift in the family when they see something like that. So I'm sure your friends and family is looking at you like, damn, Rod out there killing it. Like, you know, I wonder if he could teach me or if I can get involved or for just from a high level view. Just seeing someone black doing something different 
doing something that's going to, you know, build wealth. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's great that, you know, people have that type of um, reference point that's real and tangible for them, you know? Yeah, I think that's crucial. You know, I think it's kind of, for, well, for me, it's kind of a gift. Well, it's a gift for me, you know, but for like the people around me, it's kind of like a gift and a curse because they see me doing things and they know it's possible. But they kind of look at me like, oh, that's just ride. He, you know, what I mean, he he just got it. Like he he just do it. Like, but they don't really understand. Like, I just set my mind to it and I put in the work to actually manifest it. It's not I don't got nothing special. It's nothing special about me. I'm just determined to make it happen. Like, you know what I mean? And so like when the, I don't like that because they look at me and think that like, oh, they, it's still unattainable. Like, you know what I mean? Like he just like he just make it happen. Like, no, nah, like you can do this too. Like, you know what I mean? You just gotta put in work and you're you're then no, your journey would be much faster and smoother than mine because you got me to reference, like you said, as a reference point. Exactly, exactly. That's so funny. Me and Tremaine talk about that all the time. The people, the people in our circle, they be like, nah, you got that because, you know, you've been on that type of level. But it's like, nah, I just got information that I thought was dope. And I was just like, well, let me see if this will work for me and my family. It's no different than any, any anyone can experience. It's just like you got to execute, you know, that's it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So question for you. Uh, talk about your psyche after you bought your first property. I know you said you got to fix and flip. Was your first property a flip? Was it or just like a buy and hold or was it like your primary where you were living there? And just kind of talk about that process of going into fix and flip and dealing with contractors and just the numbers on everything. So uh, my first project, it was intended to be a fix and flip. So um, the first two properties I bought were stolen. I didn't realize it until actually I fixed them up. And I listed it for sale. They asked me for the HUD and I, it was my first time. I, I didn't know nothing about real estate investing. I just knew that I wanted to get in the game. So somebody came to me at the time. They was like, um, I know somebody got two properties for $10,000. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, bet I'm on it. Show me where they at. Let's make it happen. So I gave them the money. They gave me the deed. No title company involved or nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. Like, you know what I mean? So I thought it was a fair exchange. I didn't know somebody could just create a deed. So... <laughs> Oh I fixed it up, y'all. It took me like about a year because I had to use my own money at the time. There was no lending. I didn't really, I didn't know about lending either. Like you know, so um, it took me a year to fix it up. Fix it up. Listed it for sale during the recession. It was on the contract in two weeks. Like I said, they asked me for the HUD. I'm like, what the hell is a HUD? So they like, well, how did you get this property? They say, um, I, so I told them, and they like automatic. They referred me to a lawyer right away. You know what I mean? I talked to the lawyer. I talked to him, and he like. This property is stolen. You know what I mean? And then coincidentally, he actually knew the guy that sold me the property because he was uh, doing some pro bono work for the, the guy's children, like in family court or whatever. And so he told me that the guy was like a scam artist and this and that, asked me if I wanted to go after him legally. I'm like, well, if he's a scam artist, I'm not going to get nothing anyway. So <laughs> it, it, don't, it don't make sense, you know? So I'm like, just learned from it, moved on. The solution was to do a quiet title process. Um, for those who aren't familiar, quiet title process is when you got to try to uh, got to try to find the rightful owner, and you know, um, but the, she was deceased, right? So, and the guy knew that. So, in that case, you got to find the heirs. So, you got to get like a private investigator. You got to send out three certified mailings to family members to try to uh, find them and see if they want the property. You got to send, um, and then you got to put a ad in the paper for like three or four weeks consistently. You know, trying to find those people. And if they want it, then, you know, I would have been shit out of luck, basically. But if they didn't, I mean, well, luckily they didn't respond. So I was able to keep that one. And that's the one I had all the money into, you know. So 
that was my first journey, you know, with properties. But um, after that experience, you know, I learned everything. But long story short, I still have it. So it started out to be intended as a fix and flip, but it's a, it's a buy and hold. I'm still holding it today, you know, getting uh, rental income from. Um, and wow. Scammers been scamming. Oh my God, that is just the craziest story. So in this case, because I've you know I'm I've just been in real estate a year, and I've and especially in Chicago, there's squatters' rights. So somebody get into your property, and you really it's really hard to get them out. So yeah. that wouldn't have applied for you in that case. You had the property for a year. But I think because I wasn't considered a squatter because I I didn't live there and I didn't have any mail going there. At the time. Oh okay okay wow. That's crazy. So what was that called again? A quiet title? When, title when you, right. yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a crazy story. <laughs> sure. So moving forward. So on the one that you kept on the other one that, that you, uh, did you sell that one or did you keep oh, both of those? That one too. So that one, that was a duplex. Um, well, it still is a duplex. I still own that one, still written it out. Um, that one, I didn't have as much money into it at the time when I did the quiet title action, but I had to do the same process after I finished the first one, did the same thing with the second one. Now this time the, the owner was still dead, you know, but the heirs, they did respond. So they had moved to Oakland at the time and these properties were in Philly. Um, so they moved to Oakland and last time they remembered the properties, it was just like a disaster. You know what I mean? So they was like, give me $3,000 you can have. They didn't move on and forgot all about it. So it was just like a little bonus for them. But I hurried up, cut the check, you know what I mean, gave it to him. So, um, yeah, that was my learning experience. So after that, you know, I almost lost everything. You know, that was all I had, all that money I put in those houses and stuff. So I had to go get educated at that. So I started looking around for, like, mentors and stuff and ran across this guy online. Um, He was an investor, developer, real estate educator, and he's a hard money lender as well. And so that's what really piqued my interest about the hard money industry because I never heard of it before. And damn sure never sell anybody of color, you know, talking about it. So I was like, damn, I mean, like I'm already in real estate. This could be a good niche for me to get involved with. So that's how hard money was on my radar. Wow. I never heard about hard money either until we started investing. Um, we all we thought that we would have to come out of pocket, you know, liquidate 401k and that kind of stuff. But you know, thank goodness for people like you and like Doug Debt and, you know, all those individuals sharing that, you know, this is the game. This is how you get into it. This is how you can get money. This is how you use OPM. Um, so that's like that. That's been a game changer for our business, because otherwise we would move really slowly. And two, we probably would just be, you know, boxed out because we just didn't have the money liquid to, you know, acquisition properties and stuff like that. So. Um, I actually have been interested in getting into hard money just so I can have the education behind when we submit an application and all that kind of stuff. So could you talk to, you know, I know you have a course. What made you want to establish a course? Why do you think real estate investors should also um, have a hard money education and or have a hard money business? Uh, great question. So um, I decided because like you probably, I don't know if y'all know, but I'm just really getting active on social media. Like I've had it for years, but I was like, you know, I, I'm the guy in the background, like, and I'm comfortable in the background, you know what right. I mean? So right. I was fine, you know, but, um, I, I had like an epiphany one day. I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, cause of course I go on, I used to stalk and stuff. I used to be on there, but I didn't post like that. But you see everybody talking about real estate investing and it's a great thing, you know, but nobody's talking about the financing side of it. Mm-hmm. And that's key to getting involved. And it's, like you said, it's in a scale in that business, you know? So I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? You know what I mean? 
And then I the thought about them like, well, wait a minute. There's not even anywhere that people can really learn this information, you know? So I'm like, and I, and when I go to these conferences and stuff, it's not many of us that look like us, you know what I mean? So I've, I've been in this business for nine years now and I can really count on one hand, you know, how many people that I really see are in a strong position that are people of color in this industry. And I'm like, that's not cool. You know what I mean? So like the only way that's going to change and get diversified is if, People can uh, people get involved in the industry, but if nowhere to uh, learn how to do it, how's that going to happen? So I felt like it was up to me to do it. You know what I mean? I started in from the bottom and grew a successful business. So I was like, who else did me better to do it but me? So, you know, I want to do it. And um, that's why I did it, you know, but I was kind of baffled, though, because I'm like these same people have been you know, killing it for generations and I, they must be trying to just keep it to themselves or something like that, you know, to their family members and stuff. So I felt like it was my obligation to face my fears because I did have a fear of like the cameras and stuff like that, too. You know what I mean? So I was like, I got to the, the, the mission is bigger than that. It's bigger than whatever bullshit I got in my head that's keeping me from getting in front of this camera. So I just got to do it. You know what I mean? I understand that repetition, you know, is uh, is the key. So I just got in front of that camera. And did it, you know, and I felt like, you know, this was my way of giving back, really, to let people know that it is possible to get involved. Here's how you do it. Um, and you don't have to be rich to get involved. You know, I think that's a, one thing that was like a deterrent for a lot of us, because many of us, especially grew up in inner cities, we don't come from, you know, a lot of money. We don't have affluent people to raise money from. So we think that we can't get involved in lending, not realizing that everybody uses OPM. Banks use our money. The biggest lenders, you know, that you could think of, they use other people's money, you know, so that's the game. So, you know, I, I'm trying to bring that to the forefront to let people know it is possible for us to get on the other side of the table as well. Do you work a nine to five or looking to add more value to your five to nine through rental property investment? Rental property management does not have to be difficult, confusing, or impossible while you work your day job. Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 Landlord 414 presents 9 to 5 Landlording 101 for Beginners. This complete guide will help you to manage your rental units while you focus on your 9 to 5, and Tremaine will give you the entire blueprint, the tools and the processes he's personally used to manage his rental unit portfolio while working his 9 to 5. Grab yours today at 9 to 5. 5landlord414.gumroad.com That's 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com It's 9to5landlording101 for beginners by Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9to5landlord414. If you're looking to buy your first multifamily property but don't know where to start, don't worry any longer. We have a solution for you. Book a one-on-one 60-minute call with Zena Dixon today. In our time together, you'll receive the answers to your questions, insight into your goals, and an action plan that you can put into motion to start you and your family on your wealth-building journey. Investing in multifamily real estate was the beginning for countless millionaires. And now is your turn. Book with Zena Zena Dixon today at Calendly.com forward slash Zena Dixon INC. That's Calendly.com forward slash Z E N A D I X O N I N C. Also, see the link in the show notes. Do you recommend that real estate investors also have a hard money business? I, yeah, I think it's I think it's beneficial because first of all, I'm doing both. You know, I, I think it's the best of both worlds because you you first. You know, um, as an investor, of course, you need finances. So being on that side, 
like you said, Zena, you have the, you have a better understanding and more insight of how it works. So your success rate from when you're applying for loans will be much better. You know, when you're involved, you also have you're opened up to all the players in the game. So you know, no matter what type of you know funding you need, you have these relationships now, and you'll get you know the loans at a lower cost because you're in the industry, you have relationships and stuff like that. So you'll save money that way. You know, you'll be able to find 100% funding, you know, whatever type of project you need um, as well. Yeah. Question. So for the people that's listening, that's like, wait, is hard money bank money? Can you explain to people just somebody that's new to hard money, exactly what hard money is, how it works and just the benefits of it? Yeah. So hard money, I always say it's an alternative to traditional financing and traditional financing will be considered what you would go to a, a bank for a bank. Um, or a residential mortgage broker, someone that's giving loans for owner-occupied properties. Whereas, though, you know, we exclusively fund business purpose loans for real estate investors, you know, nationwide. Um, no matter if it's for fix and flip, rental, new construction, uh, multifamily, mixed use, some commercial, we do cash out refis, pretty much you name it. You know, if it's as long as it's for investment purposes, then we can fund it. And um, so, it, um, the what I've noticed going because I'm going through a hard money thing now, um, the interest rate is a little bit higher than traditional banks. Yeah. And is that because they're taking on more risk? Because, you know, when you do a fix and flip, especially when you're inexperienced, I think that's more of a risk for the hard money lender. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they want more of a down payment, you know, to um, ensure you have more skin in the game that you're really going to bring that project to, to end and do whatever you're going to do in your exit strategy. Can you talk about um, what someone can expect when they go for a hard money loan as as opposed to a traditional loan when trying to get into a fix and flip? Yeah. So I'll start with like the interest rates. So, yeah, the interest rates are a bit higher. And that's because these are short term loans for the most part. We do have long term loans and they are more competitive with like your traditional interest rates and stuff. But, you know, people say, oh, the interest rates are high. But it's just the cost of doing business. You know what I mean? You can't compare it to a 30-year fixed traditional loan because they're getting their money over the course of 30 years. Whereas though these short-term loans are majority of the time for 12 months. So, you know what I mean? It gotta be, it gotta be worthwhile. Like, you know, what I mean? people have to look at it as if they're on the other side of the table. Like, would you lend, you know, uh, $500,000 for $2,000, you know what I mean? And for, for a $2,000 return in a year, like it doesn't make any sense, you know? So, you know, I think, you know, it's all about perspective. A lot of times when you look at the the, the, the interest rates, you know, I, I know you understand it, but, you know, for the audience out there, and then you have to look at it like, you know, without this loan, would you be able to capitalize off of the, pro- the potential profits of that investment opportunity, you know? So you got to look at what you stand to gain, not, you know, the cost of doing business. Um, but so, you know, to get back on track a little bit. So when you're applying for a loan in, in comparison to like a traditional loan, you can expect not to have to su- submit tax returns. Um, sometimes not bank statements on like short term loans so for like fix and flips, new construction and uh, bridge loans. Bridge loans are just short term loans, um, usually anywhere from six to 36 months or something like that. You know, um, but yeah, we don't require tax returns. You don't care about your personal income because we understand that these are investments and investments and you can have partners. You know, you can be the person that sourced the acquisition, you know, stuff like that. But then somebody else can be the, the capital partner, you know. So it's not all about you. It's more specifically about the deal. Our main concern is that you're going to make a profit and that you're in a position to 
be willing and able to make those monthly payments, you know, because if you're not going to make any money, then, you know, we're all just wasting our time. So that's that's the main concern. And we're, and we're creative, too. You know, so we might say, let's say we have a minimum credit score of 620, you know, for a specific loan. And Zena, if you don't qualify for that and Tremaine got an 800, then, you know, obviously we can use him. You can use his credit to qualify. But and then the, both of you are still, you know, benefit from the lower interest rate and the higher leverage based on that you know, credit score. And that's another thing. So to clarify, so for long term loans, you know, the interest rate and the leverage is based on the credit score. And for like short term loans, you know, it, the interest rate and the leverage is based on your experience and your experience is on a what have you done basis? Not what have you done lately basis? So we want to see what you've done in the past 36 months, because each market is different. You know, the market three years ago is damn sure much different than the market that we're in today. You know, so that's how we evaluate the uh, deals. Hmm. So question for you. Um, so obviously you're on the so you do both. Right. You buy properties and you've been on the lending end. Right. As you got in deeper into your lending business, as far as for hard money, does it push you to be more deeper and more engaged in your lending business? Or are you still like, nah, I want to build this real estate up just as much as I build up my lending business? Because sometimes people get new to industry, they'll just cancel what they had on the other side and just lock in on that. So how's that been for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm still active. I'm not as active as I was. Like, you know, honestly, I love hard money, you know, better than investing in real estate. You know, um, I still love real estate, of course, but, you know, um, I love, I don't love the the tenants. I don't love the dealing with the contract and stuff like that, you know? So I prefer to be on the lending side um, because for me, you know, lending is like, it's sort of a position of power, you know, because as an investor, everybody's scrambling, chasing those deals, you know what I mean? But as a lender, everybody needs capital. They need you. So you have people coming to you. So it's just a different dynamic, but um, mainly I enjoy it because, and then, you know, with, with uh, lending too, people don't realize you still can get like monthly passive income, you know? So mm-hmm. I enjoy getting monthly income from the rentals and stuff, but I don't like hearing the tenants complaints and, you know, excuses and all that stuff. So I have probably managed in place, but as a lender, you know, you can also get paid monthly income from something called yield spread or YSP, you know? So um, let's say I raise capital, I get money at 7% and I turn around and give you a loan at 9%. There's a 2% difference. You know, that's what you get each and every month on that specific transaction. And it, you know, adds up the more, you know, loans you do, obviously. Is that deal spread across the the term of the loan? Yeah, it's across the term of the loan. Yep. So it's not 2% flat. uh, So let's say the loan was $500,000, 2% of 500 would be 10,000. So it's not 10,000 a month, but that's 10,000 spread out across the duration of the loan. So let's say it was 12 month loan of like $800 a month from that transaction. You know, but so mm-hmm. I said, you know, yes, yeah, so you do 50 loans in a year, that's $40,000 a month. And most people enter, enter, enter a hard money loan for 12 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they don't necessarily stay in it, you know, for 12 months, but you know, yeah, but all of the duration is, yeah, mostly 12 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of dope. I, um, like I said, it's something that I have been considering just because. I'm I'm one of those people that need to know all the information. So I'm still submitting my ap- my applications, and they're like, "Well, it's a two percent, it's two points here, and this fee, and this fee." And I'm I'm like, "Why is this fee? What is this happening? Tell me why this is happening." So I know when I get my lender on the phone, he be like, "Oh my god, about to be on the phone for an hour with Zena." But it's important as an investor to know where your money is going, what these fees are, you know, and, and things like that. But being on the flip side of it, 
it's it's very intriguing. It's very alluring. So um, I might have to top that course from you <laughs> because wow. it would be a good idea. Yeah, I, th- I really think it's beneficial. And honestly, like from, you know, I just launched it in March. And based on the results, I see that people that are already somewhat in the real estate industry, they're the ones that are the most successful at it, you know, instantly anyway, because it's less of a learning curve. You already have, you know, the logic of it. It's just, and you don't have, you don't need to learn the terminologies or anything like that. So it's easy for you to apply it to your existing business because people already know you for real estate anyway, especially y'all like, you know what I mean? So all you're doing is adding additional service. You already have a network of real estate investors that know, like, and trust you. So it'll be easier to generate business. And like, especially for real estate agents, I think it's really valuable because um, I took a poll amongst agents to see like, what's the most frustrating parts of the transaction. And they say the finance, you know, because that's the part they can't control. They they left in the dark, you know, so they yeah. might assume everything's going good, but then at the last minute, the loan get pulled and they, it is just a surprise. There's nothing they could have done to be proactive and help that help, you know, create a solution or anything. So it's just done. So by agents being involved, you know, they can now have insight and more control of the transaction, which will help them save more deals and, you know, which will to be more of an asset to your clients. So, you know, you'll really be able to add value, you know, and then you're getting paid twice off of one deal potentially because let's say you listen to property and, you know, or let's say you're helping somebody find a property, they find it, okay, you get paid off the commission, but then they might fund it too if you're working with an investor. So get paid twice off of one transaction. Right, right. I, I teach... Um, individuals how to acquire their first multifamily using an owner-occupied loan. But every time I go live, the rare occasions that I do, people always asking me about hard money and burrs and stuff like that. And a lot of times I feel like it's like they keep hearing these buzzwords on social media. So they're like, oh, that sounds easy. I want to get into that. Um, Not knowing that a burr is not something that you should be just jumping off the cliff. You know, you should be having some, you know, background information. But it seems like people are just like, no, I don't really want to go that conventional route with a traditional loan, a federally backed loan. I'd rather just, you know, go hard money and do a burr and and do it like that. So I feel like it, you know, I would be adding more value if I'm more educated. Just, you know, even if I don't advise you to do that as a first time homeowner, you know, or um, property owner, you you know, I like the path of least resistance and the easy, the ease of getting into a, a transaction. But some people just like, no, I want to go fast. So just, you know, if you had that information, Zena, tell me that information. So, you know, I think that it would be a good value add for me to at least know a little bit more about it. So, you know, if they're going to ask me those questions and they, they're not trying to do FHA, at least they have another option that they're educated about. So, um, I, I think, I think it's a, an amazing opportunity, especially like for us, me and Tremaine. Because, you know, we're trying to scale our businesses and to have that education about hard money. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely important. You know, um, just like you said, if anything, just to be educated and have options, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nothing like having options. for Sure. Absolutely. Are you a realtor as well? No, I'm not a realtor. No. OK. OK. <laughs> I always say if I could do it over again, I would definitely be. Why not? You know what I mean? Because. It's just extra money on the table. People come to you thinking when you're in real estate, y'all know people think you do everything. They try to come to you to list their properties, right. I mean, properties, everything. They do <laughs> in real estate. So, yeah, I, I mean, I actually did take the test and I passed it. But what happened was um, this was before I bought my first property, too. They took too long to send my transcripts. And then it was like a couple months. I done forgot half the information. So I just <laughs> never did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
So, so if there's one, I'm sorry, Tremaine. No, go ahead, Zin. If there's one, if there's one tidbit that you can give a real estate investor about hard money, what would it be? Um, I, I would say that, you know, hard money gets a bad rap, you know, so don't look at the word hard and think it's a difficult process and stuff like that. Cause it's a lot of people that say, oh, I wouldn't suggest it for a first time and first timers, you know, that it's a difficult process, this and that. Now I understand like what you said, Zena, like, because if you get, if you have to choose between an FHA and a hard money that I would say FHA all day, you know why put the larger down payment, if you can produce the tax returns and you can qualify for that specific loan. But if you can't, this is, you know, another means for you to get involved if you don't have all the money to get in or if you just want to leverage your money. I mean, leverage the loan to spread your money across different investments, you know, and, and scale your business faster. This is, you know, hard money is here to help you, you know, not we're not here to take your properties. But you have to be cautious because some some there are some predatory lenders out there, you know, so I would say do your due diligence. You know, everybody is not who they appear to be, you know, even with the real estate investing, hard money, whatever, you know, everybody's trying to get over these days. So just do your due diligence, um, you know, look for testimonials and stuff to see, you know, what the experience was with the specific lender before you get in bed with them, because you don't want to find out when you're, uh, when you're halfway through the loan process, you know, and then, right. you know, your deal is at risk. When your deal is at risk, your, your security deposit is at risk and, you know, it's just too much. So. Um, definitely you want to make sure somebody's reputable um, before you know you try doing business with right. them. Right. And hard money is different from private money, correct? Or is that it's similar, you know. So people look at the people don't realize. So it, it well, it's like it's a great hard money is like a great area now. So initially hard money was private money because private money, the real definition of private money is money is not, you know, that doesn't is not dependent upon, you know, um, institutions like like you know Fannie you know they're not back they're not insured by Fannie Freddie Mae and you know they're not you know provided by these large institutions you know but now hard money is becoming more of an institutional game you have Wall Street getting involved and stuff you know mm -hmm. um, so it's not as private as, as it was you know but um so I would say the real definition is yeah Private money is money that's not tied to large institutions or corporations and it's not insured by the government. Um, so that's like, that's real private money. So hard money, it depends, you know, so I say it's a great area because it depends on the actual lender that you're working with. So um, I, I raise money, you know, but my business model is I sell my loans to third party investors. So um, so mine is it, it's sort of private. I raise private money, but the, the, the guidelines are based off institutional guidelines, you know, because they won't buy my loans if I don't follow the strict appetite that they have for these loans, you know. So it, it's you know it's like a little gray area. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I always thought private money would be like, Rod, you sitting on ten million dollars. I got a development deal for two million. Here's the performer. Here's all of the information. I have two other investors that's interested to help with the down payment. Are you in? I thought that would be private money because you're just a private person and you got you sitting on this cash and you don't want to do the work, but you wouldn't mind getting into an investment that's going to give you a good return. That's, that's what I private. That is. That's a clear cut definition of private money. But private money, the true definition of it's any money. It can be raised from anywhere, not anywhere, but most it can be individuals. It can be entities, but it's just any any money that's not attached to like these institutions and stuff like that. OK. Yeah. Well, Rob, we thank you for coming on here uh, for the people that's listening. Tell them, you know, where they can follow you at and kind of just what's next for you at the same time. 
Um, so what I'm doing is, so I just told you guys, have my business model, um, I, I'm currently selling on, but what happened was, you know, it, I, it negatively affected me twice. You know what I mean? So I'm being proactive about it now. So mm-hmm. during 2020, the recession hit, um, you know, it was uncertain, uncertainty within the market. Everything shut down, you know, when it first hit. Capital market shut down. I'll tell you how, you know, Wall Street and stuff is in this hard money game now. And that's why I sell my loans too. So they shut down. I didn't have an outlet to sell my loans. So my business took a hit and I had to shut down, you know, as a result of them. You know, I was, but it was a lot of opportunity that at, during that time that I missed out on because, you know, these institutions were out of business. So um, came back luckily and it was fine. We rocking and rolling. But then now, you know, again, the interest rates, you know, uh, hikes. And so now, like the institutions that I sell my loans to, they, depend on they don't get paid origination fees like us lenders do they get they get paid off of the spread like i was just telling y'all but the interest rates are so high now they got priced out of the market so they had to shut down again so you know my pool of investors that i'm selling loans to are limited now and you know i'm not able to service all the clients like i typically would so i don't like that feeling so what i'm doing in the future and, and now is I'm holding all the loans on my balance sheet. So it's going to be true private money. So I'm not selling it. I'm not having to abide by those guidelines and stuff like that on capital on uh, from from uh, Wall Street. So, yeah, it'll be true private money. I'm going to hold all the loans, all the short term loans. Nobody holds long term loans. That's just that don't make any sense. Nobody want to have their money tied up for 30 years, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's how I'm. That's why I'm changing my business model. So I'm holding all the loans. So we'll be more flexible, creative to help you guys get your loans done and everything. Um, as far as where to find me, you know, um, I'm on social media. Everything ride underscore hard money. If you're looking to get a loan, you can contact hard. I'm sorry. Flipfunding.com. You know, go to flipfunding.com. Check us out. All the loans that we have to offer. If you're looking at, you know, if you're interested in considering being a lender a hard money broker or anything, you know, you can visit hardmoneyuniversity.com to get more information there. Um, we have an automated webinar in my link tree on Instagram. So you can check out the, you know, the uh, opportunity and see if it's something that you're interested in. Dope. Dope. Well, we thank you for coming on here, man. Uh, Zena, go ahead. Ask I have a quick question, question because, you know, anyone that we bring on that we know is giving tremendous value and has a course, we want to know if um, if you have a discount code that you wanted to extend to our um, listeners, because this might be the, pit, the, the, the tipping point for them to pivot their mindset from I'm just going to work this nine to five job to, oh, I can probably have my own business, you know, lending hard money. So. Is there is there something available for them? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. So all the listeners of Nine to Five podcast, you know, um, if y'all get the code Nine to Five, I give you twenty percent off the course. So you know, um, yep, just get, do the code Nine to Five. You can email me, whatever, or insert the code, and I'll make sure we're on that twenty percent off for y'all. For sure. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for that. No problem. All right, man. Well, we thank you for coming out, man. Uh, appreciate it. We're going to leave your link in the description of the show notes where to follow you, sites and all of that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the 9 to 5 CEO podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon, Inc. All right, y'all. Be blessed. <laughs>